Welcome to the dark forest. Jackie and her pals will never bore us. Shameless confessions about our obsession will make us laugh and smile. So let's explore the dark forest and dark down for a while. Hey, you guys, it's me, Jackie Cation. That's right. First ranger among rangers of the Dork Forest. You're listening to the Dork Forest. The websites, of course, are thedorkforest.com. Just regular dorkforest.com goes right to it. There's uh, familypetancestry.com that goes to jackiecation.com because it made me laugh. Allthingscomedy.com has a Dork Forest page, and that is because that is my podcast umbrella network, and they have a lot of other podcasts on, on their website. If you're looking for other pods to listen to, a lot of stand-up comics have their podcasts on there. Al Madrigal and Bill Burr, of course, being the most famous. The credits, let's do it. Patrick Brady's going to fix this audio. Mike Rickberg composed and sang the intro song to The Dork Forest. He will sing again his words to the Mexican hat dance at the end. And Vilmos fixes JackieCation.com. He will be fixing up the merch page and making everything more expensive. So if it's... $25 for a t-shirt with shipping. It's $30. Then that is taken into account that postage has gone up. And uh, yeah, I raised the prices. But it all includes shipping. All the merch, I might as well talk about it. If you go to JackieCation.com on the merch page, the store page, you can get Ranger the Dork Forest t-shirts, the Dork Forest t-shirts. I'm phasing out the brown ones. It's just going to be green. So, But I have some left in stock, and I'm going to bring them on the road. They're all union-made, all the t-shirts. They are made in the United States of America by union workers who have dental and health care, very glamorous. And so, hence, they run big, just so you know, because they're made by union members and Americans. We proudly, uh, I guess, or with some shame, are slightly larger than other people. You can also get all of my CDs. My CDs are available digitally on Amazon or iTunes. You can just also stream them on Pandora or Spotify, but you can buy hard copies on my website. So there's the first one, Circus People, hard copy, involve, includes a, a a quick time video from my 2003 Comedy Central special. The It's Never Gonna Be Bread, which was top 10 comedy albums of the year in 2010 when it came out on Amazon.com. And my new one, which came out last year, was top five comedy specials of the year on Vulture.com, and that is called This Will Make an Excellent Horcrux. This Will Make an Excellent Horcrux is available as a CD, as a DVD, or as a downloadable $10 special on ComedyFilmNerds.com, which I also write movie reviews for. Um, you can get just a, town, uh, a download of it. The DVD itself has a, a, a DVD bonus, and I can sign anything. I can not sign things. There is a new T-shirt, and it is the Spooky Reading Girl T-shirt, a reference uh, from my act. Okay, other than that, the L.A. Podcast Festival is coming up, you guys. It's where everybody gathers. And if you're coming to it, go to LAPodFest.com and buy tickets and come to the podcast festival. It's the weekend of September 19th. If you can't make it, you can live stream all of them for a month. All of the different podcasts are being filmed uh, and then live streamed and then saved for a month so you can buy them all for $25 if you are not going to be able to make the podcast festival and you would like my podcast and everybody else's podcast in the whole world. Mark Maron's podcast is going to be there. Aisha Tyler's podcast is going to be there. Uh, Thrilling Adventure Hour is doing one. Uh, Paul Gilmartin, who was just on the show. 
and you can live stream all of it. It's $25 for all of them. You can save five bucks if you use my code, which is dork, D-O-R-K, oddly enough. And then it's 20 bucks for everybody. My podcast is going to be 4 p.m. on Saturday, September 19th. Uh, my guest will be Greg Proops. And then I'm also doing Paul Gilmartin's podcast that night where we will open a vein and talk about any sort of mental illness that I might have because he has a thing called Mental Pod, Paul Gilmartin. That's at 10, p- 10 p.m. All these times are Pacific. Now, when I do the live shows now, I'd make them premium episodes. That's on Bandcamp. So if you go to uh, probably bandcamp.com slash the dork forest, I don't know, there's a link and uh, there's special there are special premium episodes. I think they cost $2 because sometimes the live ones cost money to put up with the audio guy and the travel and the hotel and whatever. Other than that, there's, of course, a donation button on both dorkforest.com and jackiecation.com where you can donate to the show. If you are enjoying the show, feel free to donate. Uh, this has been a weird year financially. And so if you like the show, you could donate 10 bucks a month. I haven't made that easy because I don't like regular money coming out of anything. So you just have to remember, oh, I like this show. Here's $10. And I'd love $100 from everybody. That's what I would love. If you have $100 a year, I would love that. And if you have more, uh, God knows, I would love that too. But whatever you like, whatever you can afford, and if you can't afford any of it, that's fine. Don't worry about it. I'm glad you like the show. Talk it up. You can also support the show by uh, buying merch, which we talked about, or using the Amazon banner on JackieCation.com, which is when you order from Amazon. And we all do. I'm almost sure, certain we all do. Uh, I, I know it only works with the U.S. version of Amazon, though. But you click through to the U.S. Uh, version of Amazon. You do your order just like normal. And it supports the show a little bit. And it doesn't cost you anything extra on Amazon. I do stand-up comedy, Jackie Cation does. And there is a tour page on JackieCation.com that tells you where I'll be doing it. It's an exciting time. Feel free to come and see me live. But for the love of everybody and their grandmother, let's get into the dorkdom of the day. Thanks for listening, you guys. Let's do this. I'm Jackie Kishan, and you're Paul Kilwarton. Welcome to the program. Thank you, Jackie. <laughs> I've been wanting to do your show for a while. It's been about three years of We've been me, talking about yeah, it. Yeah, that I was like... Every time we bump into each other, we got to do each other's podcasts. And then, nada. But we're at a swinging party, and there's so much going on. There's so many going on. you got to find the key, the bowl to put your keys in. Yeah. And it's weird. Anyway, mm-hmm. so Paul Kilwarton, uh, it's at MentalPod on Twitter and MentalPod.com. And the name, it's Mental Health... Mental Illness Happy Hour. <laughs> I want it to be Mental Can, Health Happy Hour. Uh, somebody started a podcast called that. And, oh, really? Yeah. And uh, so I emailed them and I said, I'm not sure you're aware that I have a <laughs> podcast called the Mental Illness Happy Hour, but I think it would be great if you could consider changing your name because a lot of people accidentally call my podcast that. The Mental I, Health Happy Hour. Yeah. And I said, I think you're going to get a lot of people going to your site actually looking for mine and that's not really cool with me and yeah. i said and i would be willing to um promote your show if you change the name to it you know well, as, you as a way nope Give, nope no response or no anything? response no, uh, uh, no i th- i think they were just like uh no we're we've already put some work into it so we're going to stick with this name Best of luck to you. All right. You know, I just did Joseph Scrimshaw. I don't know if you know a young comedian named Joseph Scrimshaw. I don't. Very funny young man. Uh, turns out he um, is a nerd. He's been on the dork for us. He I'm going to try to remember his name. I'm going to carve it in my bone. You should carve it into some uh, some bone, yeah. some whale bone. And, uh, but he has a podcast called Obsessed. 
huh. and I just did it. And he said, I would like you to know that I did not know about the dork forest when I started obsessed, but obsessed is the dork forest. <laughs> and I said, whatever, man, uh, it's a podcast. There's so much overlap in podcasts. Cause yeah. I, I essentially, even with dorkdoms, there's, there's like three things that you can talk about, how lonely you are, how sad you are <laughs> and how much you're waiting for the loneliness and sadness to return. If you happen to not be lonely and sad at that moment. <laughs> You know, the reason I wanted to have you on, Paul Gilmartin, was because you are a carpenter. Like our, uh, our woodworker. 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 There's a big difference. Is there? Yeah. Carpenter is more the structure of houses and oh. um, uh, buildings and stuff like that. Okay. Um, carpentry is a lot of two by fours and framing. Okay. Woodworking is working with uh, a variety of different woods and. On purpose. Yes, like that's it. the joy of it. That's, that's, that's the, the that, that's that's the treat. Is that's the like, color palette. It's, okay, so it's a different kind of wood. Yes, and you're designing uh, all your own. Uh, I mean, you can use stuff, you can use plans, but I've never been a, um, you know, I never learned to read music. I never okay do plans. I just like kind of winging it. And um, is it Whitlet? Is there whittling going on? <laughs> there or? is no whittling. There is no and whittling. And I don't, and I don't, you, you, uh, do lathes. Um, okay. What is a lathe? But, uh, a lathe is what you make bowls on or, oh. uh, spindle legs. It's a, a thing that spins the chunk of wood and you take a. But horizontally. Horizontally. Horizontal exactly. spinning, like knifey, kind of sharpy thing? Yes. Okay. And you shave stuff off it. But I've never liked spindled legs. Okay. And I don't really care about bowls. So what <laughs> I like doing is, in fact, I'll give you a, um, you edit, right? Uh, yeah, sure, if you want. Okay. Um, because, uh, I'm going to show you a couple of pictures of, it's just going to take me a second to uh, right. uh, call up my photos to kind of show uh, you the kind of stuff well, I design and, and build. Well, I'll tell you this. As my dad once said to me, you know, I regret not planting a lot of uh, black walnut because, you know, that's a long-term investment. He is not wrong. Uh, a, <laughs> a really mature black walnut tree could bring tens of thousands of dollars. Right, right. And, and it's a fantastic wood. Walnut is one of the... Uh, and California black walnut is one of the most uh, awesome woods. And you can can you tell the difference between trees when you're walking around in them, or is it just when they're in their wood? In their wood state, yeah. In their wood state. I'm okay. very bad at identifying um, trees. Here are some of the things that I started building. I've always loved Japanese uh, lamps, how they glow, and I love mid-century modern furniture. So I designed. Mid-century stuff that has Japanese lamps built into them. Japanese lamps being like a lantern-y kind of look yes. to it. Is it rice paper that, uh, that is on it? I do use rice paper. This one happens to be uh, Egyptian papyrus. Okay. And um, and they slide out. They're screened, so I can put in different. And then that's a and DVD. Different colors. That's a DVD cabinet that light, lights up. Oh, my God. And then you made this. I made this it. This is a, that is a, that is a beautiful that, piece. What is the kind of wood that that is made out of? That is made out of walnut. As well. Yes. Ca that California, California walnut that we were discussing. Yeah, California uh, black walnut has some purple to it, whereas regular uh, black walnut does not. What is, what is the two story uh, DVD? I've always thing? loved the look of amplifiers that yeah. glow, the head of an amplifier when it glows. And I thought, well, why not just do kind of that on top of the DVD cabinet, just a, right. a lamp that makes it look like an amplifier. Oh, that's awesome. And then yeah. did you make this, this 
all of that stuff I made. Okay, yeah. this is all that's of a, your stuff. That is one of the hardest woods uh, known to man. That, the the hardest table. wood known to man what is, is the, uh, yeah. um, I'm not sure exactly how it's pronounced because I've only read it, uh, lignum, lignum vitae. Lignum which, vitae. And it was actually used in the bearings of uh, old ships because it it almost can't wear down. It's got some natural oh. oil to it, and it is uh, incredibly, incredibly hard. But this is one of the uh, densest, hardest woods that you find in the States, and it is called um, Osage Orange. Ironically, not orange in the least. Right, right. Brown. M- uh, mostly Whoa. used for hedges. When you first mill it, it's um, kind of bright yellow. Oh, okay. A lot of woods have awesome colors, and then after they uh, age a bit, they change. There's a, a wood, um, one of my favorite woods uh, to work with. It's a, an African wood called Paduke, P-A-D-A-U-K. Okay. And when you mill it, it is the color of Cheetos. <laughs> and then it turns ruby red after a while. And then it turns red. But I'm not exaggerating. The co- bright orange. Like Cheeto Cheetos. Cheetos. Straight up Cheetos. <laughs> Full on Cheeto. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, crazy. Well, that's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, but this, so if you don't use a lathe, what do you use? A saw? What are yes. we using? There's a, a bunch of different saws that I, that I use. Um, the, the one you use the most is a table saw. Building, uh, stuff out of wood is all about getting a perfect 90 degree angle because okay. then that gives you a, a good joint. If you have a 91 degree angle, that's going to throw everything else off. Then you're going to have gaps in your oh. joints and then stuff is going to be weak. So you need a good quality table saw. It needs to be set up and tuned correctly so that it's straight on 90 degrees. Uh, cause you're very often pieces of wood are too wide, um, to mill in one piece. Okay. So you have to divide them up and then glue them back together. Oh. And if it's not 90 degrees, you're going to have gaps and then it's going to be visible when you, so, okay. when you look at it. The so, setting up of a, a regular saw, uh-huh. is it, do you hire someone to make sure it's level and, and no, it you to can the do ground, it. Or? You can do it to your, uh, you can do it yourself. There's a lot of stuff you can do, uh, yourself, which isn't that, um, difficult. Some of it's incredibly difficult. Okay. Um, and are they and expensive? Then, Yes, a good one. A good table saw will probably run you two thousand dollars. Okay. Um, How long do they last? Do they last oh, forever? Decades. Okay. Decades if you treat it right. And, and then you just replace the blades or something, yes, right? Exactly. That, okay. Exactly. And, and there's different sizes. Yes. And then uh, a band saw is the other thing, and that is a. How do I describe it? It's almost like um, uh, it's a loop of a saw that spins around and runs vertically through the table. Oh. And so you use that if you're going to – a table saw, you can't put oh, wait, do is, curves on a on – Is there a table and then there's a, a blade sticking out of the middle of it? Yes. Kind of situation? Well, well, that's a table saw as well. But a okay. bandsaw, it goes all the way up into a higher portion of it. Oh. And it spins around on a loop, whereas a table saw is like a, like an album, yeah. shaped like an album that just spins around halfway up in, okay. the, in the thing. But um, you can cut curves on a bandsaw. So oh. that's what you can't do on a table saw. Okay, because it, it, it's not made for that. Right, and it would pinch and it would throw it back at you, and it could kill you. I actually got kicked back one time on my table saw, and it shot a piece of wood. Thank God I wasn't standing in front of it. Shot it past me and threw uh, the paneling on the wall uh, 15 feet behind me, and I left it there just as a reminder Holy, uh, what, yeah, what kind of protect, I mean, you're wearing eye protection. You don't, right? st- you don't stand 
in front of, you stand off to the side when you're. You always stay, you just don't stand anywhere that. And you also have a kick guard usually, but sometimes you need to make cuts that are so small that the kick, the kick guard would get in the way. Okay. And that's what I was doing. That's what happened in that case. Yeah. And yeah. so it threw up a piece of like a splinter, like a full on like icicle. Yeah. Yeah. Like a, like a, um. That could have impaled you. It could have. It could yeah. have. And the top on this table is what you call uh, a free edge. That is the, uh, the edge of the actual tree itself. And that's my favorite stuff to build because you don't see that stuff mass produced. I like stuff when you look at it. It's, you go, oh, that could not possibly have been made in mass production. Right. Because that, that occurred in nature. That occurred. And then you worked around it. Right. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's that's, my favorite stuff to, that's, that's super fun. And then here's something that you would totally dork out on. Yeah. Um, there was a, uh, an installation that Janet Varney and a friend of hers did. Uh, Janet Varney, JV podcast. I've been on it. She's been on mine, but I got to get her back. The theme of it was Santa Fe astronaut. And so you had to build something to that theme. And so I took a piece of mesquite wood, Mm -hmm. uh, free edge, and made a bench and embedded into the top of it the guts of a Mac. Oh, and so you put a computer, just the innards. The innards of the computer inlaid. You know, likely you would have inlay on something. I thought, let's... Do the guts of a of a computer and yeah. then covered it with epoxy. Oh, that's that's uh, that's awesome. An epoxy is like shellacking, isn't it? Uh, it's kind of um, but nicer. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's thick and it's hard. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's awesome. I love that. That's yeah. pretty cool. But I could talk about wood. Uh, yeah, what's, all day. What's, what's the what what brought you to wood? Um, did your I, I took your a, dad teach you? No, uh, my dad sat sat on the couch and smoked. <laughs> Um, uh, I'm going to turn down my computer. Tell the story of how, okay. how what, who introduced you to wood? I took, Martin? took a wood shop in high school and I just remember the first day walking in there and it, it loving the smell of sawdust. It felt like I wasn't at school. It felt, uh, oh, wow. it just felt there's something about it felt like home and it felt like you weren't at school. Yeah. It felt like recess. And I liked my shop teacher. He was a guy named Mr. Stewart. Uh, who was, you know, he had a, uh, kind of a wry sense of humor, uh, and, but he was super helpful and he helped me build my first big project. And he was honest with me. He said, this is going to be tough, but you know, if you really want to do it, um, let's, let's give it a shot. And oh, that's, that's the greatest teacher in the world. Yeah. It was one of, and I sent him a cutting board a couple of years ago. Oh wow! And uh, said thank you for inspiring me. Oh, that's amazing. Now, shop. Because did you ever see Stand by Me? Oh yeah. Uh, and do you remember how like different kids are 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 put like you're either I wasn't allowed to take shop. I took mm-hmm. home ec. My brothers were in, they they had to take shop because they were not on the college track. And then uh, one of my younger brothers and so he said I'm not taking shop. I'm taking algebra. And the the guidance counselor was like. No, no, you're, you're an idiot family. <laughs> you're an idiot family that needs to take shop and home ec and not, not, uh, the, and, and all girls had to take home ec. It was a yeah. requirement. But, um, with guys, it was either, you were either on Machine the Machine shop, track. small engines, yeah. or wood shop. 
That was it. Is and is that what happened in your case? Were you? Uh, I I don't think I was. Or was it elective? Uh, told, it was elective. Oh, that's awesome. It was awesome. elective. I just thought this will be fun. This will. And, and I went to a great high school. The uh, high school we shared with the other town. The other town was really rich. Oh, okay. And so we had racquetball courts. Where ice, did you grow ice up? Ice rink. Uh, south suburbs of Chicago, uh, oh, Homewood right. Flossmore. I was from Homewood, which was a lot more middle class, and Flossmore was very upper middle class. And okay. so we we got to ride the coattails of Flossmore's money. Of Flossmore's cash, the, a cash oh. cow. Yeah. That's awesome. It just went from there, right? <laughs> I, I didn't woodwork again after I graduated high school. I didn't woodwork uh, again until we bought uh, a house in 96. Okay. And actually, not until I got sober and uh, just had all this uh, extra time and energy and it started <laughs> with something it started with something really small. I was going to um work on our bathroom and I'm not handy in the least. Weird. And uh or wasn't. Right. And uh so I started working on the bathroom and so I Needed a couple tools, so I went to Home Depot. Yep. And that's when I, what I suppose. You, what was the first thing you made? Uh, the first thing I made was a workbench, cause I didn't have. Oh. Wow. I didn't have anything to work on. And that's the irony is, what do you work on your workbench on? Yeah. You work on, uh, you know, those, uh, horses. Oh yeah, yeah, the wooden yeah. horses that you stack things on. Yes. So you worked on that to create a workbench. To create a workbench. What makes a workbench? You know how like a... Heavy. Oh, it has to be heavy. Because there's a lot of stuff you do on it where if it's not heavy enough, the workbench will move. And hard is good too, but I used poplar, which isn't that hard of a wood because it was... I didn't didn't know how much I was going to screw it up and I didn't want to use an expensive wood like walnut in case I screwed it up. So I used poplar, but it's... It's super dented now, but it's still it's, fine. Oh yeah. It doesn't move. It's great. So it just has to be heavy enough that you can hammer on it and saw on it and, and put stuff in the vice. And, and there's stuff and there's a vice that goes on the workbench. Mm-hmm. Now what are you what are you working what goes in a vice? Anything you need anything you need held. Okay. <laughs> anything that you would otherwise try to hold uh with another, with a third hand. Yeah. But what would that be? I mean, what do you, what, what do something you, something you're shaping, uh, something okay. you're making a small handmade cut on, uh, a okay. lot of things you're sanding. Okay. Um, that makes that, that makes that, that, that actually makes sense to me because a vice, the only vice uh, that we have in our house, uh, is for Hot Wheel tracks. It's that <laughs> thing where awesome. you can just, uh, attach it to something high so that Andy can send the <laughs> Hot Wheel track down. <laughs> but, uh, I remember Hot Wheels. I sure. Well, our neighbor guy has, uh, he's a big, he has a, he has a, a workbench. So you made the workbench so mm-hmm. that then you could make more stuff. Yes. And then it was all functional or for, uh, for, like tables and, and almost all of it functional. You know, my wife would say we could really use drawers under the butcher block table. And I'd be like, done. And done I enough. loved it because I love the problem solving part of, um, creating things. I'll show you something that like I made. Like a design? Like, yes. Like an architecture kind of thing or kind of, but I wouldn't normally draw stuff. I might do a Draft. really rough sketch, but I wouldn't, I would rarely do dimensions and okay. down to the details like a lot of people do. Do you? Measure twice and cut once. Uh, I wish I could say yes, but I don't know if I've <laughs> oh, really? ever measured twice, and that's where a lot of the improvisation of uh, of stuff to... comes in. 
Um, Jerry rigging it back together. Is that the deal? Yes. Okay. Or going, I guess it's going to be smaller than I thought it was. <laughs> uh-uh. Oh, right. Cause you had to cut it again. Here's, here's an example of a project that I really had a lot of fun doing. And the design phase of it probably took, um, a month. I have a friend who collected fedoras. Okay. And he wanted a hat rack. And I thought, I don't want to do the boring hat rack where the hat just lays flat on a peg yeah. against it. The thing that I think looks so great about a fedora is when it's at an angle on someone's head. Okay. And you see the real shape of it. So I thought, I want to design something so the hats all look like they're floating in space at that cool angle. Okay. So I walked around Home Depot for weeks trying to come up with an idea. And so here's what it looks like. When, I want to have the hat dork on the dork forest. Here's what oh. it looks like before you put hats on them. These oh. have copper wires running through them, and so they bend so that you can hang a hat on them. See right. how they bend now? Yeah. And then when you put the hats on them, they look like they're floating in space. Oh, right, right. They they stick out from the – It's I pictured something else. I pictured more of a slant, sort of like a, a, a slidey thing. Yeah, and then and, it kind of hides the thing that's holding them. Right, so it looks like it's just, and then you could pick the hat of your choice. Yes. Uh, he has at least seven hats. Yeah. Nice work on, on and, his fedora collection. And that, you know, that was part of the fun of it was inventing a way right, so you, to make it happen. And that. You take it, notes? I mean, you have to, there has to be some sort yeah, of process I, of uh, most remember of it, what to do kind of thing. Most of it is in my head. You know, I do have to write numbers down because I need to remember what size the things are that I'm cutting. Right. Um, but so much of it is, uh, just kind of, just kind of winging it. Okay. But it also involves a lot of mistakes when you, when you wing it, but yeah. Um, but so, that's part of the process. That's you, part of the, the you process. You don't beat yourself up at all. You're just like, eh. Oh, I beat myself up all the time when I'm sometimes I would, you know, I have a cup of coffee. I'd be all excited to get out in the shop. <laughs> And then I would think about what piece of wood I was going to use, and I would go, oh, my God, that's an expensive piece of wood. If I make a mistake on that, I've wasted $800. And then I would work myself up into just anxiety and perfectionism, and I worked myself up into a nap, and I would have to go sleep. (laughs) And I wouldn't do anything that day. Right. Many, many days of that. Many days of you just freaking out about the project that you haven't started? Yes. Okay. And then what makes you start it? Um, an idea, okay, a need for something. You're like, this has to be made. Or, I told him I would do it. Or a or, piece of wood that just kind of, uh, inspires me where I, where I just am like, I have to make something out of this because I just want to look at this in my house, this beautiful wood. Grain. Where do you buy wood? Do you buy it at Home Depot? Internet. Oh, the internet's the way to go. Most of in the internet. You can buy some, a ton of stuff here locally, but you're paying for an expensive address. Okay. Whereas, oh, so it's a lot cheaper if you just way cheaper. There but are hot, but great this is places. Shipping crazy. Not when you buy heavy? in bulk. I okay. would buy in bulk. So I would buy uh, a couple thousand dollars worth of wood, and then it. How much wood is is? How, I mean, how heavy? It could is, be just to like a tree. What are we looking at? Oh God, no, no. Um, wood is very expensive. Good quality wood is very expensive. Like a slab that uh, would, would make a coffee table yeah. could be twelve hundred dollars. Okay. Now, let's look at my coffee. Can we, can we, uh, get, may, may I? Sure. See this coffee table? I do. Uh, I got this approximately 15 years ago mm-hmm. at the Goodwill and it was $25. And, uh, it has last, it's a nice size. It is. It's a good height. 
What do you think it's made out of, and what is happening? I don't know if the top of that, the, the thing that's inset in here, that's a piece of plywood. It might even be... Um, Just all particle board? Yeah, might even be um, uh, a composite of stuff that's not actually even wood is, and is just made to look like wood. I think it is. Um, but the edges, Use the, mic. the edges of it, yeah. um, look like they're, they're made of wood. And that's a pretty common thing to do. The great thing about using plywood is it doesn't warp. So, um, it's, plywood doesn't warp? No, it's all, it's, it has different layers and the layers go at different angles to stabilize the layer above and below it. What the hell is plywood? Plywood is just uh, shavings that are pressed. No, no, no. It's it's uh, sheets of wood that are cut very thin. Okay. Very, very thin, like one thirty second of an inch, um, and that's what makes plywood so stable and so common to use in stuff. But the problem with plywood is because that top layer is a thirty second of an inch. Yeah. If you ding it. Or you gouge it, yeah. you can't sand that out because you're going to sand down into the layer below it. Oh, it's done. It's I mean, that, done. Yeah, that's that's it, all that was there. Yes. Okay. Whereas real wood, uh, you can, you know, the tables that I make are How an inch, inch and a half of okay. solid wood. So you can refinish that for a hundred years. Okay, so because I have often thought about refinishing this. Yeah, it would be you'd have to be really de- delicate with that. And again, that middle part—I'm not sure that that is is even wood, but um, it could be refinished. I just don't know if it could be sanded. Right. Um, what is very refinishing? lightly sanded? I I, uh, I I would I would break it if I refinished because I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, refinishing is taking the the top layer of the the, the varnish, varnish off. off. Yeah, you can use it with uh, some type of uh, chemical. Okay. And then you could maybe lightly sand it and then put a new layer of um, just to varnish. clean it up. Yeah. 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 And clean it up. Okay. So that's what I thought it was. I've never done that. I did want to. I read a great book as a child about uh, whittling, and. Uh, <laughs> I was like, I want to make a horse out of a piece of wood. And uh, and that's all done with a knife, <laughs> I'm pretty sure. That's uh, nice. Very low investment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the investment. You're going to need a softer wood for that. Yeah. It's not a hardwood whittling situation. Yeah. But the part that sucks is when you're done, you're stuck with a shitty horse. <laughs> <laughs> right, because nobody can really do it. Yeah. I mean, the person that can do it, there's one out of a gajillion people who can make a good-looking horse out of a block of wood um the michelangelo of of whittling <laughs> but uh so i love the fact that so you said you haven't done it in a while that i haven't well my you dep- weed it off right yeah when my depression uh is even just kind of low grade my passion for a lot of things goes out the window so i haven't woodworked consistently probably in in two years okay Okay, so um, what what happens now? But I also tend to blow through obsessions. Yeah, I mean, I could list. Right. Well, of, you did list, which is, and I that's mean, a partial list of the things. The part- things that aren't aren't on there was collecting sports cards, uh, foot, right? Football and um, basketball cards. Okay. Uh, collecting wine. Uh, collecting. Um, uh, taking dog pictures. I took so many dog pictures in one year. The camera that I had, you know how it'll take, it'll assign one, a number, yeah. one, two. I rolled it over. I took over 10,000 pictures and. Of other people's dogs? Your uh, own of dogs dog. at a dog park. Dogs at a dog park. You're like, I want to take pictures of dogs. Yeah. Okay. 
And I have All a right. website for that if you want to, oh, if you want to go look it? at it. It's paul-gilmartin, uh, dot squarespace.com. That's okay. It's a Squarespace, uh, one. Yeah. It also has so, some, uh, music tidbits that I made that I, is there a place where people can see the wood? Um, yes, I believe handshapedfurniture.com, I think is the, I'll double check it, uh, and and then I can put it in the notes if I, if I, if I do notes, which I sometimes do and sometimes don't. I used to do a better job with the notes, but it got uh, away from me. (laughs) But what I love about this list is that it's like, it's essentially all, it's dorkdoms used to stem the tide of your depression. That's exactly it. The, the mental illness happy hour, is entirely about depression and dealing with it and, and sort of hearing people's Trauma, stories, right? anxiety, just simple uh, you hear the negative tales. thinking. Yeah, yeah. Like It can be super dark and it also can be kind of light and not so serious, but it tends to be a little darker and a little more heavy. Yeah, I mean, didn't you have did you have Bamford on? And you yeah. tend to have comics on, right? Didn't you have Aisha Tyler on? Uh, much this? less so now than I did when I started um, because now I have a lot of listeners on because right. they will send me their stories and it greatly increases the breadth of uh right. topics I can I can choose from. So Oh wow. Um, the first person to email me and say, I'm a listener, I think you should consider having me as a guest was a woman named Nadare Fanoyan who um the greatest name in the world. She was an Iranian revolutionary. She was a Marxist wow. and had to flee underground pregnant um from the what? uh the Ayatollah uh, they Back had in just, 79. Uh, yeah, this was more in the mid 80s where they had already kind of taken power and they oh, right, were right. weeding the out. went down in 79. Yes. Ayatollah came in after that. Came in after that and they were beginning to get rid of all the groups that threatened them. Right. And she was a part of that and, um, her husband was, uh, caught and, Oof. and she was not. And so she was, uh, I, I won't, ruin any more of the story. Alert. It was uh, an almost two hour episode and we didn't even get into the fact that she is a nurse in a psychiatric ward. That's how much of her story. So that let me know, wow, there's a lot of stories. If I only interviewed comics, I would right. never have stories like that. Right. I mean, yeah, I mean, opening up to, there's plenty of comics. Uh, Paul F. Tompkins needs to be on a lot of podcasts. He's been on this one twice. He was on mine and he was great. And he was great. And it is great, but um, but we ha- we tend to, it's, it, it gets a little uh, incestuous. Yeah, yeah. It's too, there's too much. So to break out a little bit, that's what I like about kind of the younger comics and, and, and those guys, because I'm like, well, at least it isn't the same nine comics. <laughs> yeah. It's a different nine comics coming on talking about their weirdo dorkdom. And, and a 32 year old dorkdom is, is a kid that was raised, is a guy or a woman who was raised watching VHS tapes over and over and over again. So those dorkdoms are super pure, super yeah. like pre-digital, pre-digital and, and, or, but post, but post, like when I was a kid, my dorkdom, was to take the longest walk in the world. Like from when I was four, I would just be gone from my house for hours until I was 18. And then I went to college and I was allowed uh, to live alone. And, uh, <laughs> but I would, I mean, when, when you're a little kid and you have a VAC, VCR, you can check out by sitting in front of that VCR forever. And it's great. And you're like, I have memorized Aladdin. And you're like, have you? And mm. that is awesome. And it's, it's, oh, oh yeah. I can quote almost any line from the jerk or silver streak, which were the two, <laughs> two of the two first movies? things that we had on VHS. Oh, very nice. Yeah. Very nice. So, but I like the idea of woodworking as sort of a tool because it, it, 
it's using your hands and it's and it's it's very it's, meditative. It's meditative. I, the 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 first time I realized how really meditative it was, um, I would pick music that I wanted to listen to on my iPod, and I'd never been into John Coltrane. Mm-hmm. And when I started woodworking and having his music play. I found that I could listen to it over and over again and I realized it's because I'm in kind of a meditative right. state when I'm oh. listening to his music. Yeah. His isn't a kind of music that I like actively listening to, right. but listening to as, as a part background. of something else, yeah. it was um, – I suddenly got him. Right. Well, and a couple of these are, are like that, like guitar playing. It's, that, is a, that, that is a learned solo activity. Where it, it becomes, you get, get better at it. Um, you can only masturbate so much at 15. Right, right, <laughs> right. Which is also a solo meditative kind of thing. <laughs> and, uh, so, but and that, you get, and you get to know your instrument. Right. And you get better at it yeah. and you're like, and done. And so, but the, but the guitar feels like the woodworking. I mean, it's what, very much so. Did you get a guitar as it's, a, uh, wow. yes, at, at 14, um, uh, I, I took some music lessons. I, I never really clicked with the music lessons, um, but I really didn't start to get decent as a player until I was in my twenties and I was a stand-up. And um, so and you're I just doing the road and doing the road, and um, I don't know something about. I just decided to. Um, you know what the biggest step was? Was <laughs> being in standard tuning. I would. Because you can be in tune, but just to yourself. But if you're in standard tuning, then you're in tune to the song that's on the radio okay. or on the album. So then you can learn what it is that they're doing. But if you're not in tune, standard tuning, you okay. don't. You're playing it in a different place on the neck than the is person that a that specific guitar thing? Standard tuning because all, all instruments. See, we. Uh, I was not taught. That. Granted, my uh, my musical education was. Haphazard. Yeah. I enjoyed the social activities of being yeah. in the marching band. Uh, but I played the clarinet and I played the trumpet and to tune the damn thing, they're, it's, they're wood, they're in, they're wind instruments. It's a lot more, well, they made it in tune. Make sure that you're not yeah. screwing around. So with, with, so who taught you how to tune a guitar? Oh, it's very simple. Uh, I don't even remember who. Okay. It's just very, from very simple. A book yeah, or something. Yeah, you get a, uh, you can either use a pitch pipe or you can use a, a tuner that you plug into. Okay. And then once I was able to do that, then I could put on music that I liked and learn how to play it. And once you learn what other people are doing on the neck, right. you begin to see patterns. And so uh. then it opens up this whole world to you as opposed to when you were just in tune with yourself and playing what you, uh, you know. Yeah. And, and, and the lessons are all, you know, like how to read music and, and how to, c- can you read music? No, no, no I tried. So it I was just, by ear and by ear. Yeah. Which in many ways I think is much better because, um, you, part of your brain isn't dedicated to something intellectual while you're playing. All of it is dedicated Does it feel to more feel. organic. It feels way more organic. Yeah. And I think it allows you to have more feel. Okay. Um, that's just my opinion. But yeah. most well, of my favorite guitarists, um, I should say a lot of my favorite guitarists didn't even read music. Stevie Ray Vaughan didn't was read not, music. No. Didn't read music. Yeah. There's, uh, I had a, a cellist on who, um, went and, and she's amazing, but, uh, it's, 
it's just it it whatever your journey is is the way it goes and that's um, what worked for me and what worked yeah and whatever works is is fantastic so what about hockey now hockey's a team sport yes that is something that you said then this is a dorkdom i had eddie pepitone on he talked about uh he's a he's a watcher he likes to watch hockey he doesn't play hmm. what a, now what you like to play i started playing when i was eight and i've uh, and ironic, makes sense. ironically, really started playing more when I moved to California. Um, and I played three times a week for 20 years since I've been out here. And you still playing? Still play. Yeah. Do you have black skates? I do. Uh, Most yeah. skates are black. Yeah. Yeah. There was a year when Nike had white skates and ugh. it was, uh, they're girl skates, man. And so <laughs> I remember, <laughs> I remember skating as a kid and the boys would always wear black skates and the girls would wear white skates. And, uh, it was, I, I, I could never skate backwards. It was, uh, it was a very flirtatious move that, uh, on, on the lagoon, on the pond where we would go skating. It was something that, uh, isn't sk- skating on a pond the best? It's... It was, it was pretty amazing. I, I would always, um, I was a, fr- I'm, I'm not, uh, hugely athletic. So you started it at eight, a team sport. Yeah. I mean, yes, I suppose it's a team sport when you're out playing on a pond and there's, yeah, you break up into teams. Right. But it wasn't organized. I didn't really start playing organized hockey until I was probably, um, 12, 13. Okay. Uh, and, and, and so, so you learned the basics just on just on the ice. Yeah, yeah. Just screwing around. Just screwing around. Okay. And so you can skate backwards. And mm-hmm. you can you yeah. can move a puck around and you, yeah. I mean it's a multitasking. You never you never stop learning. You never stop um you know, I didn't learn how to take a proper slap shot until I was thirty five years old. And a friend of mine said, You know that you're supposed to hit behind the puck. I had no idea. Oh weird. Because I'd never been formally trained i'd never right. i'd never um learned the, the really the true fundamentals I, yeah i knew the fundamentals of skating because you learn it because you have to learn it right um but uh the stick work has got to be and 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 different coaches at that level are our coach didn't even play hockey right our high school hockey coach right so he just ran drills and yes. not not just running drills. I made sure that his son played more than everybody else. Oh well, but you know he yeah. he had invested in it. Yeah. <laughs> did you win much? Do you does is that something you like? I have a problem with uh with losing that I intellectually know is childish. Yeah. But uh the only time I really saw my dad show true joy towards me right. was when I would win. Okay. And I think that planted a seed for me that my worthiness is attached to whether or not I win. Whether who wins. And and I catch myself doing it, yeah. but it's still an emotional reaction, the fear of losing. Um But, but as and, long as you catch it, I mean yes. it's something you can work on. Yes. I guess. But it's only when there's referees. It's only when it's officially being kept score. Oh. I play on Sunday nights just a pickup where there's no referees and we just divvy ourselves up. Yeah. And I don't get nervous at all about oh. Right, and you you about don't that. have a vested interest in how that no. goes. You just want to play. Yeah, but just, but before an organized game with referees, I get butterflies. I still get butterflies. Interesting. Yeah, it's uh. So, are you pretty good? Do you do you think you're? Uh, I do think I do think yeah. I'm a I'm a good player. You know, I'm getting older, so my muscles aren't as strong, and I I screw up more than I used to. Um, but, but a good team player, like a good. Yes, I think so. You know, I'm considering one of the leagues I play in. Um, guys tell me I'm. You know, one of yeah. the be- one of the best defensemen in the league. Oh, good. So, um, I take 
I take pride in that. And I, and I think I'm a good team player. Yeah. I, I get as much pleasure out of, uh, passing uh, to someone who scores as I do scoring, maybe even Taking more the- so. Oh yeah. I mean, I mean, it's good being, being in, in those sort of cooperative environments. I like. And it's a really great way to mail bond. I love because it's, it's a way to mail bond in a way that isn't gross. Right. <laughs> right. You're just, there's yeah. a lot of mail bonding that is gross to me. Is it, is it just, locker room stuff or like yeah. what's it, it, you know it's having each other's back when you're on on the ice if somebody um picks a fight with one of your guys um you can bond you, together yeah you can take it personally you can maybe get in there and and uh separate him grab the guy pull him off your friend or maybe you wind up fighting that guy right um i don't fight much anymore and the fights aren't long they're, right. They're maybe five seconds before they're just they, pushing they, fights mostly. Oh right? no, there can be punching. I've oh, punched. Yeah? I've punched guys with my bare fist <laughs> before. Um, to, I always wonder to what end, yeah. and because uh, it's not like you're going to yeah. knock them out. But the, the feeling when you everybody on your team touches the puck and then somebody scores, yeah, is a beautiful, beautiful feeling. It, it really, it fulfills something very real. It touches something really deep. And I think it's a genetic thing. Yeah. I really think it, it's, there's something in us that maybe it goes back to the group going out and hunting. Right. Maybe. Yeah. It's, a, and it's certainly better than sitting around talking about uh, who you fucked. Yes. Uh, which is a less positive uh, bonding moment. And just kind of leaves me grossed out, even though it, I did it when I was younger. Oh, um, did you? Yeah. It was, uh, I, uh, I have a friend who, um, tells me stories and I'm like, dude, I don't want to <laughs> like, like stories about like, like of guy bonding, things like that. And he thinks it's kind of like, cause I, he's like, well, you're kind of a guy's, you know, like one of the guys. And I'm like, I'm never going to be one of the guys, one of the ex- those guys, one of those guys. And I would never be one of those. If I were a man, that wouldn't be, I don't think that would be the kind of man I would be. None of my brothers are those kind of men. Uh, so yeah, and my, <laughs> it would just be, and my teammates don't, they're, they're not that way. Most of them are in their thirties, maybe forties. Right. And so they got kids and right. you know, we're right. their dads. Yeah. We don't talk about, uh, they're not women, women they're like people. that. Yeah. We make fun of each other. Uh, we compliment each other. It, it's really great. It's, it's adult. A, it, it's adult men being. It's one of my favorite things about my husband is that he is an adult man with the heart and soul of a guy who wants to play a game. Yes. And uh, and there's nothing wrong with that either. Yeah. So it's just he's just a good person. <laughs> I get as excited lacing my skates up today as I did at eight years old. I'm still. And, excited and you, to get and out there. And you played nonstop uh, since you moved here, pretty much. Since I moved here, yeah. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's a lot of hockey. It's a lot of hockey. And, and so you can't help but, but get better. Right. And you meet a lot of different, I would imagine, a lot of different people. It's awesome. Because it, it's not all industry people or it's no, not all comics. No, and, it's, m- majority of it is not industry people. And it's so diverse. Um, Sunday night, I play with um, probably a third, eh, maybe a, 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 a fifth. How many fifth people are on a team? Uh, it can be anywhere from because uh, those are pickup eight, games. Yeah, yeah, eight to uh, twelve guys show okay. up on a given night. Is it a max of twelve? No, there's no max. So sometimes you'll have three lines of guys, which okay. bl- blows. The ideal is two lines or a little less than two lines. Okay, so eight. So eight is kind of nice. Eight is great. Okay, just because yeah. then everybody gets to play. Yeah. 
Got it. Uh, there's, there's five skaters and a goalie out there at any given time. Although the pickup I play in on Sunday night is a really small ring, so it's four on four. Okay. Instead of five on five. Um, but, you know, the group, the group I play with on Sunday nights, um, bunch of the guys are, uh, Orthodox Jewish. Okay. Um, a group of guys I play against on Wednesday night are, uh, Russian. Okay. Um, there's teams we play against that are, uh, most of the guys are Armenian. Right. And it's, it's just, uh, it's just fun. Yeah. It's yeah. just fun. That's, uh, and it's nice to, I mean, you know, they, they say that, you know, exercise is very good for depression. They say it is. <laughs> that's what they, that it's, uh, I know that, um, when, uh, Andy started, my, my husband started jogging about three years ago when his father passed away. And now he, he can jog almost four miles. That is a long way. That's a long way. I used to jog. He's, and, he's leading by yeah. example, by the way. Uh, I am not jogging. Uh, I'm not doing, uh, I came back from the physical therapist because I screwed up my knee. And I said, yeah. yeah, she told me that I should walk for 30 minutes. And there was this pause and Andy goes, you know, she meant every day. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> I just said to my wife this morning, if plunging the toilet counts as exercise, I work out every day. Every day you're working on yeah. the, so you don't know plumbing? You don't know, you, you can't fix plumbing? I don't know if it's a plumbing problem or if it's oh, a Paul problem. It might be a Paul problem. Yeah. We don't know. So now there's, there's other stuff that, I mean, we've, we've gone through, we've gone through hockey and we've gone through woodworking, but there's, I'm cutting the guitar. But I'm kind of interested in the video game playing. Sweet, sweet civilization. And you're back, you said. I'm back. Now, civilization, is that's not spore, right? Civilization is sort of Farmville, but to the to exponential. The yeah. It's If you're a control freak, it should come in a crack pipe. <laughs> it is a turn-based strategy game. You start with a settler, you build a town, and then you build more towns, they turn into cities, and then some, Babylonia. Right? Uh, you can make Babylonia? You can pick, uh, there are civilizations that you pick to start with. And okay. currently I've been playing Japan because each civilization has something that's unique about them that's a plus. Okay. Maybe they're industrious, maybe their uh, temples uh, are easier to build, right. which brings more culture, which makes the people happier, which, um. Oh, like SimCity where the, where your job is to make people happy? Well, but there's civiliz- a balance between keeping your people happy and having a strong military. Cause the military doesn't make them happy, but it keeps them safe. Okay. And if you don't have a resource that, uh, you need to, to grow and to stay competitive, then you need to invade another civilization or if you can get them to trade with you, that's <laughs> yeah. great. Yeah. So, um, this is, um, this is an MM, this is a multiplayer, uh, online. I play against the computer. Okay. You can play online, but I just like playing against a computer. Okay. So you start in, is it discs? Um, or, or now, it now it's just, Steam? now it's just a download. download. Okay. And it's and an we- app you can use on your iPad, which is limited. Right. It's a light version of it. Okay. Um, but I play, uh, for the Mac. And uh, so you play on your on your Mac at home desktop. Yeah, and, and headphones with headphones. Oh yeah. What's happening audio? What's the audio? Um, a lot of it is just background music. When you uh, fight somebody, there's the fights of uh the sound war. of war. Yeah. When you create when you create something, you create uh you know maybe a uh, palace or something. There's this you know ceremonial oh. <laughs> sound of something right. being created. Oh, that's cool. When somebody in a faraway land has built something that you were trying to build first, you know there's this doomy sound <laughs> that you you've screwed up. Yeah, you've been got beaten to, to the punch. So what are what are so do you start out in cave days? 
you do and and you uh, are constantly researching something you're constantly using your um your scientific prowess to work on one advancement at a time. So once this you, sounds incredibly addictive. This oh, sounds, Jackie, it's I, you will love it. I I'm playing Simpsons Tapped Out, which is essentially a dollhouse. It's just a, yeah. a Sim City, and I spend probably an hour and a half every day just checking in, making sure everybody's got a task. Uh, it this is okay. This doesn't go on its own. You have to do every. Every, oh, really? Yeah. You have to choose everything for it to do. There's a few things you can automate. You can automate your workers to just build improvements on right. their own, build but, roads. But at like, like 12 minute, 12 hour increments or different hour increments? Kind of, is it like that where you the set game stops the when, when you exit the game, the game stops. Okay. Nothing is happening unless you're in front of the, in front of the screen. Oh. Well, uh, that's kind of interesting because SimCity people can die. Your people can die because you aren't feeding them and checking in. I had uh, Tracy this, Ashley on, and she had to set her watch so she could get back in. Oh, my God. Yeah. I'm glad ours isn't that. That civilization. isn't that way. Yeah, that would. Because <laughs> there's times when I will sit down at 9 o'clock at night, and I will play until sunup. Wow. Just to get some stuff done? Just uh, to build stuff? What do you, what do you, where are you now? Um. What, I just finished uh, a game. Um, I'm going at higher and higher levels. I used to play at, a, I think, the second uh, one below the hardest level okay. on Civ 3. Civ 4 came out, and there was just way too many new variables. Okay. Um, they introduced spies and uh, different religions and a bunch of other shit that just <laughs> made it way too complicated. Right. Um, this new one, Civ 5, they... They went back and simplified it more. Okay. Um, but the tech tree, uh, the tree of research, okay, is uh, kind of infused with their culture stuff in a way that's really, um, really cool. What's the politics on it? You oh, can the politics make it, are fantastic. That's what I mean. That's what sounds fascinating. So you yeah. can be a despot. You can be a Republican. You can be. Um, yes. And a, you choose what government. An anarchist. Do you? You can just choose anything. You can choose whatever, but you have to have researched democracy okay. to have a democracy there. And um, you can – there are Is politics it, with the other civilizations. Yeah. If you're on good terms with them, they'll give you a favorable trade of you know maybe okay. spices for your extra silk. Is there is there an actual hierarchy? I mean can you be uh, a representative republic – uh, and then also, n- like, not be a democracy, just be a representative yes. republic. Yes. And, it, and it, does it get that? You can fiddly? switch back to a previous thing. You can decide okay. to go to um, uh, autocracy because you know you're going to go to war. Okay. And, and you you know and you that, need it. Yeah, you <laughs> need uh, you need uh, higher factory production. Right. And you're like, I need to fiddle more with your individual lives. I'm gonna because you're the hand of God. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's it. The other thing they have, which is really cool, is there are or there are half a dozen civilizations you're playing against. Okay. You choose a map size. So okay. for a small map, half a dozen civs you're playing yeah. against. Larger map size, you may be playing against eight or a. Or, and it's or all a AI. It's all it's all the computer program. It's all AI. Okay. And um and now they have city states, which are cool. And like the Vatican. Uh, what? <laughs> they like Rio de Janeiro. Okay. Um, some some other ones, and they each have like a particular resource, be it strategic or um, luxury. And if you wind up, if you have enough extra gold, 
you can gift money to these city states and okay. then you get in on their resources. Ah. But if you go to war with a civ who's allied with them, then you stop getting their resource. So there's right. all these politics involved and you got to be nice to people. You got to pick the right ones to be nice to. And you got to figure it out. Yeah. And, and if you're getting a ton of luxury resources, your people are happy and they're more productive. Mm-hmm. Then you can crank out more airplanes. Right. What, what do you, what are the initial, what are the initial, um, resources? Uh, the, the original, the, the first ones are iron. Okay. Uh, stone. Uh, horses. Okay. Um, and each square of the map is, it might be desert, it might be grassland, it might right. be mountain. And you want one that's fertile because you want to grow your sieve as fast as possible. But you, you have to plant crops? You have to play what? Do you have to plant crops? Um, you have, have to build farms. Okay. So you have to have, you have to produce a worker yeah. who's then going to go build roads and a farm and maybe a trading post. Have you taken it to Space Age? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah? I just won uh a science victory, which is you you build um I forget <laughs> I forget the, what the name of the spaceship is called. You can win militarily. Hadrian's Wall. No, I've no idea. It's uh <laughs> you can win mil- militarily, you can win scientifically, you can win culturally. Um, and you can win diplomatically. Okay. Uh, diplomatically, I won. You build the uni- United Nations, and then you depend on a certain number of votes from other civs and city states to. Can vote. you? So when you win the game, does it end? It ends, but you can also say, "Wait, let me play a couple more turns." Okay, so but it, it and so you can then, play indefinitely. You can play yes. indefinitely. Okay, but eventually the squares will stop producing food and they'll turn to desert. Oof. Oil, oh. oil might run out. Wow. Um, Did you ever read a canticle for Leibowitz? I have not. It is, uh, the cyclical nature of history. Anyway, <laughs> but, uh, so, um. Aluminum's a huge resource because you can't build planes. And as you know, control of the skies. Yeah. Is, that's, is huge. That's what, uh, Billy Mitchell told us. And it's kind uh, of fun when you get uranium and somebody fucks with you and you nuke them. <laughs> it's kind of cool. <laughs> what? And then is there a victory screen? What's, I what's, believe so. I believe there's, yeah, there's a victory screen. I'm a big you, fan of a victory screen. Yeah. Cause then you know that it's over and yeah. then you know that you can go back to your life. And you can go back and look at your stats and see who had the highest population, who had the most happiness. Okay. You know, a bunch of other that, stuff. That's hilarious. Oh, Jackie, you gotta try it. I gotta, I may, I don't know. And you can start on an easy level. Yeah. Which is great. And they have the help guide for it is fantastic. Okay. It completely explains and... the theories and the strategies. Well, that's great. But it is, um, it, it's just one of those games that you could play forever. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the, that's the terror of it is, it is. that, uh, because now you just started playing again. You're playing Japan and, um, which and- are the thing that's unique about their Civ that's so great is their, uh, their soldiers, fight uh when you fight you get you lose power okay as you get injured um ah. and japan's soldiers will fight as if they were full strength even when they're injured well that's a cultural thing it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's fantastic when you're that's starting a beautiful, out that's a beautiful commitment yeah. to uh to to the whole they're like no it'll be fine and so where are you at now are you in shogun time what are we looking at 
Uh, well, I just finished a game, so I, I won a cultural uh, oh, victory. Okay. So I'm going to start another game now at a higher level, and I have a feeling I'm going to be really depressed. Oh, right, because it's going to, because it ramps everything up. It's harder to get things. It's harder yes. to get started. It takes this longer to build. Yeah. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. I just won at the normal mode, and so I'm going to go to, I don't know, whatever the next the next one is. That's but I think I might stick with the Japan. Yeah. It's, um, can you do... Are there an infinite number of, can you pick an obscure country? Like you're like, I, I want to do the Ukraine. Well, it's civilizations that, right. you, that you pick. So you, you need there to be enough history to back it up. So you could pick China. Yes. You could pick, can you pick into, I you mean, you can pick, uh, America. Malaysia? You can pick America. Malaysia is not a, is not a like, choice. Okay. Cause it was, you know, Malaysian was the lingua franca of, uh, of, of all of the archipelagos, the Southeast oh, really? Asia. Yes. Cause, um, so like, you know, it's possible there are Civ that I just haven't played against yet. Yeah. Uh, Cause I, you know, I've only played maybe five games on Civ five and I know there are new Civs that there oh, right. weren't, weren't previously. Well, I, I had a, on a previous episode, I had, uh, not the cellist, uh, which was, I believe, uh, how can I get Angela? Because it's Angela and Aubrey Weber. They are the double clicks. They are a duo. And they are a nerd uh comedy. Um one plays a guitar, one plays the cello. And that's um, awesome. Yes. And so I had I think it was Aubrey was the cellist and Angela was Minecraft. Have you ever tried Minecraft? I have not. Which is sort of like a not a baby version of Civ, but you build, you have to build your farm. You have to build your house. And if you, you have to build shelter immediately. And if you don't build shelter immediately, you die. Is it like that? <laughs> it is. It is. Um, can you lose it, immediately if you don't get it together? You can lose before, before it's, you start out at, uh, 5000 BC or 4000 BC. Okay. And 5000 BC. And, um, you can lose, uh, by 3000 BC, if you haven't built a single, uh, soldier, if you haven't built a warrior, oh. they'll just come and they'll take over your capital. <laughs> and if that's the only city you have, right. you've lost. You're done. Yes. Yeah. And you are now a slave. So, <laughs> but that's crazy. Now let's talk about, um, uh, you're, re- we're almost at an hour. So I okay. like to, it's like, cause you're fascinating, Paul Gilmartin. Oh, you are thank you, fascinating, Jackie. A multifaceted dork. You are, uh, <laughs> you're like a diamond and we can go to different sides. I appreciate that because I was afraid that I wasn't going to uh, have enough street cred as a dork, but I, oh, I feel like, uh, the it, definition of dork is wide and varied, of course. And yeah. woodworking, I just did an episode with surfers and, uh, Murray said to me, you seem a little nervous. And I said, it's because I think you guys might be too cool to be dorks or I don't know. And I didn't know what it was. And, and then they just completely dorked out about surfing. So it yeah. was completely fine. So anything can be your dorkdom. It's just, it's a very broad, it's a broad brush. The, uh, it's every, everyone's welcome. Everyone's welcome in the forest. Everybody's got a tree. So what, yeah. What do you, what do you like to read? Um, nonfiction from the look of it. Yeah. Nonfiction. And, and I love watching documentaries. I probably watch six documentaries a week, sometimes as many as 10. They're never cheerful though. Are there cheerful documentaries? Uh, darkness cheers me up. Oh, okay. Um, watching others suffer. What's happening? That's the competitiveness in me. I'm like, my life's good. I win. You do win. Compared I, to Hitler, I'm a good guy. You're a good guy. And Hitler compared to Stalin was a failure. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's true. That's true. Um, there are certain things that, that are too dark for me that, um, I just, 
like one thing that I can't watch is children that are presently trapped in horrible situations. Um, like, <laughs> so the arc like, has to end with them being freed or, or it happened in the past. Okay. Uh, like children, like a reality show about uh, kids whose moms put them in pageants is more depressing to me than the Holocaust because it's like Ooh. a kid standing on the train tracks. Yeah. To me, it, it, it's just it's devastating. It's devastating to me because I want to run in there and save them and say your parent is, is abusive and crazy and and breaking you and breaking you. <laughs> yeah, please don't break your children. But if something happened um, in the past, the darker the better. Love stuff about serial killers. Oh, uh, really? Love stuff about um, countries that went through stuff that's difficult. Right. Civil wars, uh, dictators. Wow. I read uh, I uh, a couple of months ago now, but I read a book uh, about a boy soldier in Sierra Leone. I think I read that one. And um, that young man is uh, he's out. He's out. He, he got came out. to the states and he got help. Yeah. Yes, that and was a powerful book. I that was a, that was a great book. Uh, the saddest part of that book was talking about the kid that was standing next to him, who was a year too old for the UN to take him. And so that kid stuck eating starbursts and watching Rambo and, uh, and still killing people. So, uh, I have a hard time. I get depressed with documentaries. I love the Roosevelt documentaries because that is that was a story a good one. about triumph. Uh, though I didn't like Ken Burns jazz because I am not a huge jazz fan. I'm not either, but I loved it. Uh, you know, I will watch a documentary. I will read a book on Stuff, that stuff I hate. I, I read Nikki Six's uh, autobiography. Six? He's uh, one of the guys from Motley Crue. Okay, hate their music. Not not a fan of Motley Crue. Love the book because <laughs> the there's just drama in there about you know you're at the top, then you shoot heroin into your eyeball, and uh, next thing well, you know you're uh, <laughs> eyeball heroin. You're struggling to. Uh, Graham Acacian doesn't know a lot about uh, eyeball heroin I over it. Maybe I don't know enough about heroin. <laughs> I just assume that's where you shoot it. That's where you. That's where it goes. Yeah. That's good if you're trying to hide it. Because uh, who's looking deeply into track your marks on your oculus? I don't know. Is that even a part of the eye? It sounds like it, it should. sounds like it ought to be. So what's what are your favorite biographies and autobiographies that you've read recently or or just any time? I think my favorite uh, one was the anthology, the Beatles. Um, oh, the Beatles anthology. I just thinking back to the mornings that I I also got a, a seasonal affective disorder okay light and so I was getting up in the morning I was sitting in front of that for an hour and I was reading the Beatles anthology and is one of my fondest memories oh wow it was just like the like a warm blanket and I love the Beatles I'm a okay. nut for the Beatles so so it was interesting to to see and the anthology has just a bunch of minutia about their day to day yes but and it was mostly written by them oh interesting yeah okay that's, I, I love stories by people about, I, I think I like autobiographies. And there's a documentary than, of, uh, anthology. Oh. Which, which is fantastic. And so you, you watched it together. Um, With I. With a book in hand watching that documentary. I think I watched the documentary after I read the book. Okay. Well, that sounds, that's fascinating. So, so you like music, musicians and, and their stories. Love their, uh, one of the best stories to me ever, uh, is uh, this Tony Iommi? You know who he is? Nope. The guitarist for Black Sabbath. Nope. He um, music is not my life. Sadly, I like music, but I never know. So, so he was he's... his last day at work before he was going to quit to become a full time musician. Okay. And he was. Um, they said, "Can you cover for this person who's working in the sheet metal uh, station?" Okay. Which he was not used to doing. His attention waned for a minute. No. 
the thing came down and cut the tips of his fretting fingers off. No. And so he thought my career is over. His foreman, a couple of days later, brings a uh, record over, puts yeah. it on, says, I want you to listen to this. And it was this amazing guitarist named Django Reinhardt. Have you ever okay. heard of him? No. Nope. He was a Belgian gypsy okay. who is really the godfather to me of swing jazz guitar. Okay. One of the greatest guitarists ever. Okay. Put this on. Tony Iommi was like, that's great. What's your point? He said, this guy has two fingers. Wow. And Tony Iommi said, I can play guitar. I will find a way Figure it to out. get back. And yeah. he fashioned plastic tips that, that he wears to this day on his... Oh, just little extender kind of things. Yeah, that so like, that so like that the thimbles? bone, so that the, they don't the skin doesn't break because it's just bone. There's no padding oh. on his tips. So thimbles, uh, and there's no nerves. So yeah. he has to play. He can't play by feel. He has to right. play by sound. But that was before even the first Black Sabbath album was was recorded. And here's oh. the really cool part. Yeah, he couldn't handle the tight string tension of regular tuning. Yeah, so he tuned it down which made a heavier sound, which gave birth to the sound of heavy metal. Oh. It was in I kind of got chills right there. That's yeah. a great story. Paul Gilmartin, you've done vital work here. <laughs> this has been a great dork for us. I could uh, talk to you all day, and I can't wait to have you on my podcast. Fair enough. I'll, I'll come and be, uh, I'll, I'll talk about my mental pod. I'll talk about my mentals. I got mentals. Uh, I know I, I seem super, super together, you guys. I'm all right. Anyway, uh, Rangers, you're doing, <laughs> thank you so much for listening to the show. Take care of each other out there. You know the rules, but. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat. <laughs> my hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh my God. Thank we, you. why don't we just call that as the end of the show?